Welcome to Real College Talk. I'm Morgan Heath-Powers. And I'm Nikhil Nambury. The Real College Talk podcast is your destination for honest and relevant college and post-secondary conversations. Our mission is to deliver real advice and true stories to make your post-graduation decision completely your own. Our motto, keep it real. Happy almost New Year. It is December 30th by the time that we release this, and it's an exciting time for all of us in the world of college applications because in the midst of the holidays and the new year, many of us are also hearing back from the schools that we have applied early decision or early action to. And that can be a really exciting time and even more exciting if you find that you're getting into those schools, which is awesome. Congratulations. Um, but Nikhil and I both have experience with getting rejected or deferred <laughs> at this time as well. And, and that can be really challenging to look at and, and to experience. And especially when you have other applications that you need to go forth and complete for regular decision, um, it's really important that we make sure our mind is in the right place to show up as best as we possibly can for those applications. So in this episode, we will be talking all about um, some different tricks and mind hacks and just like some insights to help you process your acceptances, your rejections, your deferrals at this time. Um, and also how to kind of be mindful as your friends, as your family members who are also applying to college as they're getting their decisions back as well. Because the last thing we wanna do is play the comparison game. We've talked about this in previous episodes that it really doesn't um, support you in any way in the process. And so I know I'm super excited to jump into this and I'm really thrilled for Nikhil to share his experience as well. Yes, I think this is a really important topic that needs to be discussed because a lot of the stress that goes around college applications is ultimately the decision, right? If you get in, don't get in, waitlisted, deferrals, all of those decisions seem to have a sense of finality about them, but they're completely separate from you as a person. They're just a decision made by someone in some big conference room mm -hmm. who read over your application for 20 minutes tops. So right now when probably it's been a couple weeks since early decision and early action decisions came out, so um, I have a little story to share. I know I've talked about it a little bit before. Uh, my experience getting rejection from my early action school, my first choice school, which was Stanford. And um, for those of you who don't know, I'm from Oregon. So Stanford is nine hours away from my home. And for me, being close to home was something that was really important. But I also wanted the kind of academic environment to uh that was fit for me to balance with that. So Stanford seemed like the perfect fit, right? For a West Coast person looking for um, an, a really strong academic institution. And I visited, uh, I loved the school, but after you know a lot of hard work and effort into my application and four years of, and even longer than that, of hard work in high school, uh, I ultimately got rejected. Now, for me, that was really disheartening. I didn't take it too well. I didn't like take it too poorly either. But for me, that was that was hard because um, it was the place that I thought was really meant for me, being so close to home and having such strong um, 
having such a strong academic profile, uh, you know, coming from an environment that's not really that competitive, I didn't really have too much trouble with the compare the whole comparison side of thing. Gotcha. But it was a serious letdown. Uh, focusing on all the applications I had moving forward was harder because I was in the state of constantly questioning myself whether I put in the right amount of effort, whether I was presenting the side of me that college uh, counselors, admissions counselors would want to see, and. Most importantly, there were times when I thought I maybe wasn't good enough for the university, just like me as a person. Mm. And that was, that was when it got to be the hardest, is when you internalize it and uh, personalize it. And it becomes really unhealthy when you think of yourself as not being enough for the university. But ultimately, it's, it's really just that the piece of paper you submitted wasn't what they wanted to see. And there are thousands and thousands of applicants that send in applications during early decision and early action. The chances that you're not one of them that gets accepted, they're pretty darn high. And that's just something that you have to step back and look at the numbers, look at the facts, and consider how really impressive it is to get in and how common it is not to. Yeah. And like you, it is common not to get in. And, um, and for those of you that are still feeling disheartened and disappointed, like it's okay to feel that way. Like I can only imagine what it was like after writing what 11 essays for that Stanford application and to get a no, like that is hard, especially when you know that you deserve it and that it would be a good fit, which it probably would have been. But, um, what we've talked about in previous episodes, um, is that, there's also this element of, you know, each school has their own industry standard as well. Um, mm-hmm. And um, they, they aren't necessarily, you know, looking at your application purely for who you are. And if you like, if you put your best foot forward, you're guaranteed to get in. That's just not how it works. Um, I know a close friend of mine who got into all of the schools he applied to, including Stanford, his first choice was USC, and he ended up not getting in. His college counselor reached out to the admissions counselor, the admissions officer there, and um, told her to have him reapply because they simply accepted too many boys the year before. Um, and wow. so, like, just a, for there to be, for someone to say a comment like that, um, it just shows that there's so many things that are out of your control and that can kind of help to put it in perspective. And what Nikhil and I really want to communicate is that your early action or early decision acceptances, rejections, deferrals, they do not define you and they do not um, set the tone for every other application that you're going to submit. Like I'm sure for Nikhil, it was really hard for him to take that rejection from Stanford and then continue writing his applications. But Nikhil, like how did you kind of gather yourself and bring the right mindset to those other applications? Well, I kind of approached it from the, you get five seconds or five minutes to be sad and then you move on. Obviously it wasn't just five minutes. I took like a day or two to, to be a little bit sad about it, just like think what could have been. And then I realized that none of that was going to do anything. Right. So my, my two options there were to either keep doing things the way I was doing them and hope that it would just happen to work for other colleges or to 
change my approach to my applications. And when I looked over my application and thought about it from a fresh mind, I saw it and realized that there were some elements that were missing parts of my personality, um, maybe trying too hard to be, um, maybe trying too hard to have a personality or to show parts of my personality. There's only so much you can uh, get across in an application. And I think I, you know, being the kind of person I am always wanting to connect with other people and stuff like that, I made it a big part of my application to show my personality. And I realized because of that, I sacrificed sharing some of the amazing things that I've done in high school Mm -hmm. and really taking the opportunity to, to brag a little bit. That's what college applications can be. You know, you're good to brag. Also, I have to say like, if maybe, and obviously we don't want to say what if, but if another admissions officer had read your application, they might've really resonated with your style Mm -hmm. and how you were showing your personality. And if they wanted to dig a little deeper into what you did in high school, they could look at your resume. They could look at your activities list. Mm -hmm. They could reach out to the people who wrote your letters of recommendation, but they would have resonated with that. And so what we have to realize is that there are real people on the other end. And if you go back to our episode on the college admissions scandal, Nikhil and I talk about this, that um, when, when the scandal came out, a lot of admissions officers at these top tier universities, you know, said, well, I'm a human being, I have bias. And, you know, I like students who come from this kind of background or who did this, these kinds of things in high school or talk about this university in this way. Like, so you have to realize and look back and say, okay, did I do my best? If the answer is yes, and you still got rejected or deferred, like it just wasn't meant to be at that time. Right. So, um, I know for me when I, so I applied to two or three schools early action. Um, the other schools only allowed like early decision and regular decision. Um, and so I applied to two that I can think of early action. I applied to Duke and I applied to UVA. I applied to university of Virginia. Duke I got rejected from, I, I knew it was, it was a reach school for me. Um, but I was still disappointed, but then I got rejected from university of Virginia. And that I was surprised at because they have a higher acceptance rate. I expected to get in. I was a perfect fit for their business school. I was really proud of my essays. Um, And I was just like, it was a rock solid application and I got rejected. And I remember it was, it was, I was slightly disappointed because it was a great school. It wasn't, my hopes weren't in it quite like Nikhil was for Stanford. It wasn't my top choice, but I immediately started thinking, well, if I wasn't good enough for University of Virginia, how am I going to be good enough for Vanderbilt or USC or Berkeley or anything like that? And these were schools that I would ultimately get into, which are on paper better than University of Virginia. And so I say that to communicate to our audience that like these early decisions do not define you. Um, it's just like any other application. All you can do is put your best foot forward and if it's meant to be, they'll accept you. And if not, you might not get in. And it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but just like Nikhil said, like it doesn't serve you. It doesn't help you to dwell on that and to focus on that. The best thing to do is to move forward and ask, you know, how can I do my absolute best on these next applications? How can I get even more excited about those schools? Um, that's really all you can do. So. Yeah. I'm glad you, you made a quick mention of it earlier. You said on paper, these schools mm-hmm. look better or worse, but on paper, it doesn't really describe 
how the college application process works. There's a human being on both sides of the application and there are biases that are involved. Right. Um, so really shifting into some more tangible advice that we can give you right now. Um, if, you've, if you're accepted early action, that's amazing. That's super impressive. We're happy for you. Congratulations. But don't settle now. Now is not the time to let up. Now is not the time to get lazy with it. Clearly, you did something right with your early, uh, early action application. Keep going Keep because going, yeah. the more options that you have, the better decision that you can make for yourself. Um, on the other side of that, uh, if you were rejected, then take the time to reevaluate your application. If you really feel like you put your best foot forward, just keep going with it. Stick with it and develop your application and hope it turns out with a better result next time. Or if you think that there are some changes that can be made, make those changes. For me, those changes made all the difference. I um, ended up getting rejected by a couple schools that I applied early to um, that I really did think I was going to get into but ended up getting accepted by some significantly like harder schools in mm -hmm. the early decision process, just because I put in the time to develop my application. In the regular decision process? Yes, in the regular decision gotcha, process. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Yep. Um, we've talked about acceptances and rejections with uh, the early process, but there's also one other result, and that's a deferral. <laughs> and for a lot of people, deferrals are a source of confusion, sometimes some sadness. A lot of people take deferrals as a rejection of right. some sorts or a temporary rejection. But it's important to look at the facts when, you're, uh, when you get a, a deferral letter. Uh, one thing that I recently read is that not every deferral is made equal. Now, some schools will defer every single student that they don't accept in the early round. So that means they don't reject a single student in the early round. Some schools reject almost every single student that they don't accept in the early round, but a lot of schools fall somewhere in the middle. So it's important to think about uh, how your school treats deferrals and to do the research, see what kind of position you're in, if that gives you a better or worse shot. But ultimately, if you've been deferred, you're really just still in the game. That's just yeah. another opportunity to let yourself shine. I know there are such things as uh, letters of deferral or deferral letters that students can send in if they've been deferred by their early action or early decision college. Mm -hmm. I was not familiar with that whole process, but apparently that's a, that's a whole thing. So if, you, if you're still really resolved to attend the university that you applied early to, send in that deferral letter, make sure that you make your admissions officer well aware of your intentions mm -hmm. to, uh, to attend their university. So when, Nikhil, when you were deferred from a school, did you have to do anything between the time when you were deferred and the time when you would hear back regular decision? Actually, I was not deferred anywhere. Um, oh, Yeah, wow. this is just stuff that I... thing. Yeah, okay. was, I was not deferred. It's a very... I guess the closest thing that I experienced was a waitlist. Uh, okay, letter. right. That's what I'm thinking by like eight different schools. Um, wow. Which was, okay, what's the difference? This is good so, for me to know too. Okay, so a deferral is if you apply it during their early program uh -huh. and they don't want to accept you or reject you, uh -huh. they send you to the regular decision program. Okay. And that's a deferral. 
if you apply regular decision and they still haven't made a decision, they can waitlist you. Meaning if oh. whoever doesn't accept a spot in their class, depending on how many people accept spots and don't, they start to bring in people off the waitlist. So they're very similar processes. Neither of them is an explicit uh, acceptance or rejection. Waitlists typically tend to be tend to have a higher acceptance rate. Okay. But deferrals are something that a lot of people are experiencing right now. And I know a lot of people that are just absolutely torn up about getting deferred because they thought that they would get in in the first round. And I'm sorry, I have to give some tough love here. Get over it. You still have another shot. Yeah. <laughs> there's more to come. And uh, there's nothing, you know, it's better than being rejected. There's nothing to be upset about in that case. The school could have easily rejected you. Right. So, um, yeah, just deferrals sometimes are treated like such a bad thing. But honestly, if anything, they only improve your shot. You're right. You're right. It's not a rejection. And, um, and so if like, I think it would probably be better to use that as a source of confidence and say, Hey, I'm still in the game. I still have a chance than to get down on yourself. Um, something else that we definitely want to acknowledge is that maybe you didn't apply early anywhere or, you know, you've gotten your decisions back, but you're probably also hearing from other friends about their early decisions. And, um, I know for me during this time, it was really exciting to be able to celebrate with my friends who were getting in early um, and be there for those of them who were getting rejected, but it also gives rise to an opportunity to compare yet again. Um, and I remember when I got rejected from University of Virginia and I posted it on Instagram mm -hmm. saying, hey, here's a rejection letter, this happens too. Immediately after I posted it, one of my friends from DECA I saw got into University of Virginia early. Mm -hmm. And I just remember there was there was a short little moment where I was like, wow, like what did she do that I didn't like? What how was she better than me? Like, and I started comparing and um and I got down on myself again. And it's so easy to do that. And so I have I have two main points on this, and Nikhil has some as well. Just number one is you've got to kind of like stay in your own lane and realize it's just like applications. You don't want to compare one of your applications to another application They're different schools. You can't compare yourself to somebody else. They might've portrayed themselves in a way that just resonated with that admissions officer better than yours did. They might've been a better fit for the specific ap application or academic program that they applied to. There are all these different factors and all you can think is like, okay, it was meant to be for them and it just wasn't meant to be for me. And another thing I would say is just like, be careful about how you're sharing your own um, early decisions because realize that it's going to impact the people around you that, you know, don't hold back if you want to share that you were accepted and you know you're in the right environment. But if you're around people who maybe just got rejected or or you you can tell like it just doesn't help them when when you're bragging about your own acceptance, I would encourage you to just like hold your tongue and sit back a little bit. I honestly kept so quiet during decision time and um, and I purposely tried to avoid those situations where we where we would share a because I didn't want to compare to other people. It made me feel bad and B because I didn't want to make someone else feel bad if I got into a school that they were hopeful about. Um, and so 
those are kind of some insights I wanted to share on that. Um, you want to avoid comparison at this time as well. Yeah. And uh, the early, the early process is the early action, early decision. It can be a very different uh, application than your regular decision. So when you see people getting in during early decision and early action programs, which typically have higher acceptance rates, um, you can't let yourself just jump to the conclusion of, oh, I have to follow what they're doing, or I have to try and one-up them because that's just not how it works. Certain mm -hmm. programs have higher acceptance rates during early decision and early action. Certain ones have lower acceptance yeah. rates because some of the more talented students are applying then. Um, if you just get caught up in the whole system and the strategy of, oh, I have to apply then to this program at this time, you're losing sight of the important part of college applications, which is finding the school that's best for you. So right. all of these strategies, all of these um, best ways to get in, they all really don't add up to much when you're considering what the, the real goal is of your applications. You're trying to spend four years at a place that you truly love. And I was watching a video from accepted students at top universities. They don't remember what they wrote their main essay about. They don't remember what they wrote their supplements about. I remember someone asked me what I was writing, what I wrote my uh, application stuff about for Notre Dame. And I genuinely didn't remember. So <laughs> very soon, a lot of this stuff won't matter to you True. one single bit. So there's no real use in getting all caught up about it right now. Yeah, you truly, as long as you are putting your best foot forward, I truly believe that you will end up where you are meant to be. And, um, and this early decision process is just part of that. You're just one step closer to finding out where that place will be. And so it's exciting and enjoy it. And to everybody who's in their senior year and gearing up for their last semester, like go back and listen to one of our, it, it was an episode a, a few, a few episodes ago where we talked about some mistakes to avoid making in your senior year. And this is a great time to think about that is like, how can I make the most of the rest of my senior year amidst college applications, amidst decisions? Um, this is a really special time. And these early decisions, good, bad, somewhere in between, um, they do not need to, they do not need to dictate that. So um, we are here for you. We are rooting for you. And we are so excited for what 2020 holds for Real College Shock. Yes, and we're excited for what 2020 holds for you. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you to everyone who's been following our platform this year. Um, Morgan, any, any good resolutions for the new year? Resolutions. Okay, well, a New Year's resolution I have is like I'm trying to really develop some like concrete skills and I um, I want to go back to playing piano because I grew up playing piano and guitar Ooh. and I stopped playing. So one of my New Year's resolutions is to play piano four times a week. So wow. That. Wow, that's impressive. Okay. But anybody who needs a New Year's resolution, go back to our last episode on health fitness, that whole series, and yes, ideas from for that. Sure. Do you have mine's, any new resolutions? Yes, mine is to learn at least one new language. That's my goal. Yes. I'm not really sure which one. Um, I'm kind of juggling between getting a better understanding of my parents' native language, uh, getting to speak it better, and um, maybe picking up Spanish. I understand 
a good amount of Spanish, but not much. And a lot of my friends are from Spain at Notre Dame. So oh, nice. Um, so I might I might pick up on that, but um, you know we might we might try and get an episode together in Spanish then if we can if we can make that work. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we have plenty of plenty of great stuff planned for 2020. We have some episodes with top-notch admissions officers from some great universities. We have uh, a re- some really important topics like mental health, and we have plenty to share in our personal lives as well. So make sure to stay tuned during 2020. Plenty of exciting news. <laughs> I know I'm excited to share uh, what my year is going to hold. Morgan, thank you so much for tackling Real College Talk with me this year. Thank you, Nikhil. It's been an awesome year. So much has happened and I'm excited for the next one. So we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Keep it real. Bye. Keep it real. And that's a wrap to this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our mission is to deliver insights and advice that will empower you to jumpstart your life in high school, college, your career, and beyond. But the real talk doesn't stop here. To spread the message of Real College Talk, share this episode with someone who you know could benefit from it. Keep the conversation going and reach out to realcollegetalk101 at gmail.com to let us know what topics and guests you hope to hear from next. Nikhil, did you know we're on seven podcasting platforms? Are you for real? We always keep it real here at RCT. To catch our real talk, Listen on Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or visit anchor.fm slash realcollegetalk for more options. Wait, Morgan, you're forgetting one more thing. Oh, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, at realcollegetalk. We love featuring our guests and connecting with listeners like you. In the meantime, keep it real. Keep it real.